SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, let's talk cricket now because uh, it was a sensational test uh, victory for South Africa. Indeed, uh, beating India by 72 runs on day four, the first Freedom Series test against India in Newlands. And I'm delighted to uh, welcome on the line a man who's been covering all the action for uh, Radio 2000 and SWC3, Aslam Kota. Aslam, thanks for joining us. Uh, good evening to you. Grand, grand. Good evening to you as well. Lovely chatting to you. It's yeah. been a long time. Yeah, it has. But Happy New Year, I was going to say. I hope 2018 brings uh, all sorts of wonderful things like 18 wickets on a day, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is what we got yeah. to, to witness today. I mean, but that was... When I heard that there was something in the wickets and, and then I saw there was a little bit of a green tinge, I thought, OK, this looks like a little bit of a bowler-friendly wicket. But, I mean, I didn't expect 18 wickets in a day. Of course, you know, I, I don't think anybody did. Just, just sum up day four for us. Well, you know, it, uh, when we got there and the covers were eventually removed and before the heavy roller got onto it and before they even got the roller going, I, and uh, for the first time in the in the actual match I uh, in the uh, over the last three days, I, re- I actually went down and had a closer look at the pitch. And I said to some of our colleagues, and I even said it on air during the build-up, that this looks like a first-day pitch because it, it remains green. There's still a sort of a dull color to it. There isn't that straw color that brightens up as it dries up. And Fox C happened to say the same thing uh, at the end of day's play, that uh, this looked like a Thursday pitch and we knew that it was going to be tough work. And of course, we saw what happened in South Africa, were bundled up for 130. They lost those eight wickets for 65 runs this morning. And the Indian bowlers really played their team right back into the match. And of course, it needed something absolutely sensational. It came again from a, a, a good, diligent South African attack. But Vernon Philander loved this ground. This was his 12th five wicket hole. His figures of 9 for 75, I think you know that by now. He was voted man of the match for that performance. But just the way the game ebbed and flowed was in itself uh, a spectacle. And as you say, a great test match for South Africa to win. I just think that we didn't want to lose her in this match. That's how good it was. Yeah, I tell you, uh, it was one of those that really was a bit of an emotional roller coaster, I think, for both sides. Because to be fair, uh, there were seventy-two runs in it, and uh, and seventy-seven runs in it in the uh, in the first innings. Uh, Aslam, I mean, when you look at it overall, this was a Test match that 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 could have gone so many ways, and it, right to the very end. Because uh, you know, when Ravi Ashwin got going, I think a lot of people were thinking, could India do something here? But of course, Vernon Philander, the moment Quinton de Kock took that sensational catch. I was leaping out of my chair because I think most people watching would have realised that there they go India's chances. But until then, what a roller coaster! Yes, it was, and and you're right because Ravi Chandran, Ashwin, and Kumal have been known to do exactly this. They had that action even in England uh, during their I think two or two years ago. There was one Test match in which they they added about 90 runs, and I thought that was a match with Kumal. Is that going to happen? They were at that stage, then I think just about uh, 90 runs short of uh, uh, posting this win for their team. And uh, it was a brilliant masterstroke of, of captaincy and even maybe awareness from Quinton de Kock because Ravi Chandran Ashwin, in order to nullify the swing that Philander was getting, yeah. and because he's such a big fellow, was actually stepping across and in front of the tree. So, in other words, he was walking in front and uh, uh, he managed to pick up runs on both sides of the wicket, and they realized that hold on, the one thing you need to do is keep him in the uh, in the pop increase, so as, the, as to allow the swing to actually beat him. So the wicket keeper stands up in the very next ball. He takes a fantastic catch of a seam ball uh, of Philander's uh, quality. Uh, that was in itself a fantastic piece of cricket from the cock, and that then obviously obviously put the skids on the Indians. 
And uh, I think whilst there were so many key moments, that one perhaps just finally allowed all South African fans to hear the sigh of relief because then you know you knew it was going to be tough going for the bottom order. Yeah, then it was game over. Then it was game over. Then we knew. But I mean, look, to be fair, South Africa really struggled with India 7 down in the first innings. They struggled again in the second innings with, with India 7 down. I mean, you could absolutely argue that missing Dale Steyn was problematic. But did you did you pick up anything else about, uh, about the battle, about the... The character about uh, about the mindsets with uh, with with India being seven down and and not I mean the, the tail actually wagging. Yeah, look, the thing is, it it tends to happen. You know what we saw in the South African innings with two established batsmen counter attack the way they came out of trouble. Then we saw India collapse, and it needed a young gun to do what Abi de Villiers and them did only in his spot test match. And Hardik Pandya played a fantastic hand in uh, getting them as far as they did, and eventually South Africa got the lead of 77. We all thought it was handy because of the tough pitch, and expected that by the second and third day that the pitch was going to play well enough, so South Africa would be able to post a decent score. And that's exactly what uh, Dr. Plessis said in the aftermatch uh, uh, press conference, that, uh, you know, he didn't even think that this was going to happen because they were planning to have a lead of 300, 350, mm. uh, for most of the day today and actually have a crack at them this evening. That's exactly how he put it. But, of course, the pitch had a lot more to say. And I think a, a, an excellent, a very disciplined and a very well-organized Indian attack uh, put paid to those holes of the South Africans. And I must say that when they were 130 all out in the target of 208, you, you, you said to yourself, a quality batting lineup such as the one that India has is not going to fail for the second time. And because you're sniffing your victory, because you've got yourself into such a fantastic position, there's only going to be one winner here. And of course, South Africa had their own story to tell, and it was absolutely brilliant. 18 wickets in a day, as you say. And for South Africa as well, the seamers did rise to the occasion in the absence of Dale Stein. And how often we've seen that happen in the last, uh, I reckon, about 15 months. Yeah. Then. Well, which is which is which you know it's a it's a positive on on some notes, but it is disappointing to have Dale Stan officially ruled out for the remainder of the Test series with that that uh, heel injury. Uh, I mean, look, th- there is only one Dale Stain, but there is some depth in South Africa's bowling attack. To your mind, who comes in for Dale Stain now? Do we go the way of Petlukwaya or Chris Morris, who've got options with a bat? Do you go the way of a specific fast bowler, quick bowler? How, how do you see the replacement? Well, we were discussing that uh, after the match uh, on air as well and just speculating as to what the, uh, the uh, South African selectors will, will look and which options they will use. And the quicker of the two bowlers is Morris. He's perhaps more of an established batsman, but Angelic Pelafayo, as we've seen, has the, uh, this canny ability of coming good when, when uh, it's required. And this is in his short career. He's done it, obviously, a lot more in, in, in limited over stuff. So there are those op- uh, all-rounder options. And if they feel that they can go with uh, the three-pronged attack, uh, what they may do, Dwayne, is to then maybe add an extra batsman because that's the, mm. they, they, they obviously okay. found a lot of the batsmen out of form. And the one other point to make is that if it's going to be a screening pitch uh, similar to the one we've seen over the last few days, then don't be surprised if South Africa actually leave out the spinner mm. and then think of getting the all-rounder in there and an extra batsman 
to then show up their, their, their betting uh, because obviously that's where they failed on two occasions in this test match. Yeah, that's a very good point. So there is some 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 debate to do, but maybe a little bit of a happy headache for uh, Faf Dubdesi, despite the fact that Stain isn't available. But I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of key things there. One of the things that I do want to talk about, though, is is the the leadership of the Proteas. I mean, a, a series win for Otis Gibson would be enormous, but. This was his first real test as Proteus coach, and this is no disrespect to either uh, Bangladesh or, or, or Zimbabwe, but this was his first real test. What does it mean now for Otis Gibson and his, his, his time in charge of, of the Proteus? I think uh, from his point of view, he'll also breathe a sigh of relief because this was always going to be the test, and you're absolutely right. And uh, now it means that he can perhaps relax a little more, and he'll have seen enough because this was now the true competition, uh, talking about those two previous series that South Africa had. This is, you're up against number one in the world, and I'm sure that on that little uh, uh, writing pad of his, he's, he's made a lot of notes, and uh, that he will be able to take South Africa forward. As far as leadership, leadership is concerned, when your players actually respond uh, at the time when it's most required, it's actually very easy to captain the team and uh, all established uh, players in the South African lineup. But I must say that uh, whilst I was very impressed with the way um, Virat Kohli handled his charges, how unpredictable he was, he didn't do the, the usual things in the mornings where you use your fastest bowler and your swing bowler. He decided Bumrah was going to be his uh, uh, first bowler that he would be using this morning, and he picked up the wicket of A.B. De Villiers mm-hmm. and also Safti Plessis. Uh, and then he also got to Quentin Bekoff. So that middle period when those wickets fell, it was a, a fantastic passage of play if you were an Indian fan and you saw a, a, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. But South Africa's fighting spirit and the fact that they were led once again by that uh, A.B. De Villiers, uh, 35 or 50, in a score of 130, it was the, the, the highest score for any batsman uh, in, in the South African lineup. And once again, that 77 which they scored, uh, the, the leaders they, they gained, and uh, also then the way he batted in the second innings, Unfortunately, on this occasion, there was no first duplicity to partner him or any of the lower order mm-hmm. uh, because the Cox, Solander, Duplicy all got runs in that middle order in the first inning. This time, he didn't have any of that, so they could have been so deflated. The point to make here is that when they came out with the ball, they knew that they needed to be tough and they were very organized, and uh, it was an exceptional performance. And I think that a lot of uh, players have to go to the captain in the way he had to juggle the ball around because suddenly you've got three frontliners and you're actually uh, reluctant to bring Maharaj into the attack. And 42.4 overs were bowled in this innings, 135 all out. Maharaj came in only in the 36th over. So you can imagine what a workload it was for Philander, Morkel and Rabada. And he, he demanded that out of them and they responded. Aslam, very, very briefly, uh, we do need to get to our next uh, chat, but very, very briefly, uh, everybody's talking about the uh, does India travel well debate, but did you see anything Cape Town that suggests any reason why they shouldn't play Ajinka Rahane in the second and third tests? Because he was the shot for me. Yeah, very quickly, I spoke to, on the first day when the teams were announced and the player just started, I spoke to Sandal Kavaska about it. Yes. And he says uh, the simple simple answer to that is that uh, Rohit Sharma has been in such uh, fantastic form that it is based on the form that he's gone ahead of Ajinta Rahane, who in in this last series, they played against some West Indies and Sri Lanka, Mm -hmm. and he couldn't score runs against them. So it was more about his mental... Uh, aspect of his game that they were worried about. 
But without a doubt, uh, the name, his name began to get mentioned today uh, more than often because we know what a class uh, test match player he is. I reckon he's going to come into the reckoning. Also, whilst you've answered questions very quickly, Dwayne Murley, Vijay, and Chikar Dewan, generally very good opening partners. Oh, but yes. Chikar Dewan, I reckon if they're going to uh, chop anyone, he may be the first guy to go. Indeed. Well, Aslam Koto, listen, it's been great listening to you, and uh, thank you very much for your updates and uh, insights. We'll catch uh, you, no doubt, during the second and third test. But uh, for now, thank you very much, and go and enjoy your rest day tomorrow. Thank you very much, Dwayne. You take care. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Now, uh, it started a little later in the last uh, few years as the uh, Dakar Rally, but I'm delighted to say it is again underway, and South Africa has plenty of interest in uh, this year's Dakar Rally. Into the third stage of the 2018 event, and following all the action is uh, Wesley Botton, chief uh, sports reporter for the Citizen newspaper, and all-round nice guy. Wesley, thanks for joining us. Good evening to you, and Happy New Year. Pleasure, Dwayne. Thanks, man. You too. I hope, I hope you have a good one. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope 2018 treats you well. I also hope that 2018 treats Janil de Villiers uh, well, or indeed uh, some of the South African interest in the Dakar Rally. But before we do anything else, c- can we just establish where the race goes this year, how long it is? Basically, just take us through the route. Yeah, it's... Um, okay, so it's two weeks long. The guys only get one day break um, throughout the whole event. Uh, it, it really is a grueling contest that they have to go through. Um, very long distances, you know. They're driving literally thousands of kilometres. Um, I'm just, I'm just sorry, getting the the exact stats here because the the figures are quite astounding. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have a huge South African contingent, but we do have a few guys who who are certainly going to be very competitive. Um, okay, so you're looking at at a little over eight thousand kilometres in total, but that that's total driving. Um, the, the special stages, which are actually timed, which includes 14 of them throughout the two weeks, um, is about 4,200 kilometers. So it really is a, a heckle of, of a lot of driving. They're, they're driving through three countries, um, from Peru through to, to Argentina. Um, and, yeah, like I say, just I think uh, one of the, the more challenging sort of endurance uh, sports events that we see around the world. Yeah, it is particularly tough. Although you know, you, you think about it, and you go, "Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it is billed as the world's toughest motorsport event. It looks pretty nice, though. You've got some nice smooth sand dunes, and you get to drive in a nice, comfortable, air-conditioned car, which is which is not the case at all. Um, but but in terms of the the actual car division, which I think most people focus on rather than the trucks or the quads or the, uh, yeah. or the bikes specifically, is uh, that's that's a really tough one this year. But it looks like Peugeot has got the strong team in the early stages it does yeah um you know they, they've changed the route a bit this year and the guys are driving in in peru which brings a lot more sand dunes which is which has made quite a big difference to the race and um, and it brings experience into it a lot so i think the vehicles themselves probably uh, mean a little bit less uh, as the drivers do in comparison maybe to last year um but the soft dunes definitely make a difference. It makes it very challenging. The navigation is key as well, so it's important that each of the guys um, have got good co-drivers. Um, Kanil de Villiers of South Africa, we've—I mean—we've seen him racing at this at this event for for 15 years in a row, uh, seven mm-hmm. podium finishes. So, so he's our favourite, and he's had a, kind of a few ups and downs 
uh, in the first few days. But with that experience that he's got, um, even though the Peugeot cars probably technically are better vehicles, um, I think he's he's got enough in his Toyota. I think he's if he can stick with the guys in the early stages, I think he's got a real chance. Yeah, I'm just hoping that he can try to emulate that. It was it 2009 he won the, uh, the, the the Dakar Rally for his only win? But as you say, seven podium places. I mean, he has a pretty consistent record throughout this Dakar Rally. But uh, you also mentioned uh, his team Toyota Gazoo. It is a South African team, but among the the, the drivers is uh, Nasser Alatia. And you spoke about experience, and I think it, you don't get much more experience than Nasser Alatia. He is a two-time winner. And, uh, I mean, he won the first stage, and uh, and he's been doing fairly well throughout, bar the incident where his navigator got sick. Yeah, they, they had a difficult day yesterday, I think. Um, he, he had to go out first because he won the prologue, uh, which means that he was kind of leading the way. And because of the navigation issues, that did make things difficult for him. And because his co-driver fell ill, apparently about 15 k's into the leg, it's just that uh, yeah, it wasn't a great day for them. They dropped back a bit. But, you know, leading at this point on stage three, um, we don't know uh, who's going to take the stage at this point. But nice to see him back, you know, um, after a difficult day. Um, we might be looking at a second stage win today, which would be awesome. It's, it's going to be tough to go specifically through all these South African competitors that are involved. Um, I, I know Rob, uh, uh, was, uh, Robbie Howie is, is already out, uh, I think, after stage two. He and his uh, driver already crashed. But in terms of South African competitors, I mean, Gerald Skitter, I think Henny de Klerk is funding himself to go and race there. Uh, I think they're both racing for Volkswagen. And, of course, for so many years, we relied on Alfie Cox in the bikes. But there's, there's still a number of, of, of South Africans competing in the, in the bikes section, including David Thomas. Uh, just give us a brief overview of some of the other South Africans involved. Yeah, I think you've mentioned the key guys. Um, there's six drivers in total in the, in the car and bikes division. Four of the guys are on the bikes. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are not professional drivers. This is not what they do for a living. Um, for a lot of them, this is just a lifelong dream that they're trying to fulfill. And just taking part in this event is, is enough for them. And they won't be thinking of anything like a podium finish. So, uh, you know, all the South African guys on the bikes are, are already out of it. Um, as you say, David Thomas is still leading uh, out of the lots of them, but he's just outside the top 60 after, after two stages and already more than an hour behind. So um, I don't think we'll see anything on that side of things. But like you say, there's still a couple of South African cars. Um, I don't think Henny de Klerk and Gerard Scooter are going to be too competitive either, but they had a great day yesterday, the first full stage of the race, and, and hopefully it'll, they'll be able to maybe pull in a few, a few places over the next few days, but we'll have to see how they go. I think from a South African perspective, though, um, aside from the Toyota Gazoo team, which is a South African team, uh, I think most of the focus is going to be on, on de Villiers. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to focus too much, though, on uh, on, on the Peugeot team, but uh, we do need to mention, I mean, guys like Stefan Peter Hansel and, and, and Cyril Dupre are, are among the competitors who've, who've won as well on the bikes, now doing, you know, or re- relatively successfully in cars as well. But two entirely different automotive experiences, there are completely different dynamics in the race. But does that, that, that experience count for something, I suppose, when, when, you, when you translate that uh, success from bikes into, into cars? And uh, do you have any other uh, reason as to why these two would be particularly uh, so successful in the cars now? Yeah, I think that comes back to, you know, it's not all about the vehicle. And, and as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's really tough on the guys. It's, it's not an easy event to do physically. And I think just having that experience, whether, the, whether you've been on the bike um, or, or in the cars, I think knowing uh, sort of the technical aspects of the race and the route and that sort of thing counts so much for the Dakar Rally that you've actually seen quite a few guys being able to be competitive on bikes um, and in cars. But uh, 
yeah, having those, especially those two guys, uh, Peter Hansel and, and Dupre ahead of him. And after two stages, uh, De Villiers was all like, a little more than five minutes back. So I, I think he'll be worried. Those are, those are two great drivers. Um, and obviously he's competing against both of them this year. So he's got some work to do, but hopefully he'll be able to close that gap. Well, I'm certainly hoping that there is going to be some success for uh, Janil de Villiers and uh, South Africans overall, though. But uh, Wesley Bolton, thank you so much for your time and go and enjoy uh, the rest of the Dakar rally. Pleasure, Dwayne. Thanks, man. SAFM Sports Wrap. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Now, we can't talk uh, uh, all sorts of sport and not mention Bulawani City's sensational 3-2 win over Mamelodi Sundowns on Saturday. They uh, they now have the league double over a, a team that genuinely is high-flying and, uh, and currently log leaders as well in the EBSA Premiership overall. Uh, so, beginning 2018 on a really fantastic note was uh, Bulawani City. But let's uh, catch up with Saturday's man of the match, Bulawani City captain Jabalani Malulega. Uh, Jabalani, thanks for joining us and uh, Happy New Year to you. Uh, to you too, uh, uh, I got to talk about this. I mean, a uh, great win over Mamelodi Sundowns. Uh, and but but before we talk about the, the opposition specifically, okay. how did it feel to get your first home win of the season? Because you guys have a much better away record this uh, this season. Yeah, it was a bit of a relief to us since we've been looking for a win at home and not, we've been not getting it. So. It came at the right time whereby we needed a, a three point at all costs since we lay in the bottom of the, of the lock. And then to do it against uh, Mamelodi Sundowns, as I say, was sensational to watch. And the way you did it and the, the winning goal from Ramagalela, just uh, stunning, stunning, stunning again. But another wonderful pass from you, of course, involved. But what was the plan to overcome Mamelodi Sundowns? Because they're a very clinical, they're a very tactically astute side. What was the plan and how did you get it right twice in a season? I think it came. As a, as a, we, we work as a team, understand, and as a coach says, we should keep our calm and, and play our normal football. Since Namishan Downs is a, the, the champs of, of Africa, you understand, so they are more disciplined and technical. So we had to contain them and, and play our normal game. So it happens where they scored first, so it changed the, the, the compliance of the game. So, But second half, I think everything went well. We played our normal game and we scored three goals. It's tough to just go out and play a normal game when you go to side like Sundowns because they throw many things at you. But you know, I suppose you mentioned something key there was the fact that you said you, you guys are playing as a team because you, you're clearly more than a one-player team. But of course, there is a lot of focus on Rodney Ramagalela. He's, he's he's leading the scoring charts, nine goals now. But how do you see his form in terms of your season so far? He's been doing great for the team and for himself, and so we've, we've we have been working a lot at training with him combinations and and all the, the finishing and training. So I think to us it's, it's been it's normal for us to, to see him score, understand, because we've been giving the support and everything that he needs, understand, so he's doing it for the team. We're happy for him. Well, I mean, you, you're somebody who must feel decent about your own game. I mean, you look like you're a man of 20. You're still looking dangerous from set pieces. You're still providing those assists. You're still threatening the opposition goal. But uh, despite the fact that you're actually closer to 40 than you are to 30, I mean, how are you feeling physically? You're still feeling strong? Yeah, I'm still strong. It's just that, uh, yeah, I can say it's just nothing but a number. I'm enjoying my game and I'm enjoying my stay at one city. And I think the better you go, you get old, the better you enjoy your game, and better. the more you, you enjoy it, understand, with no stress, and you're relieved. So if you're relieved playing football, you think everything comes your way, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we go back, uh, it's over a decade ago, I mean, you were still playing some high-flying football uh, at previous clubs, most notably, of course, uh, part of the Gavin Hunt's great side that went on to win that triple of uh, league titles at Supersport yeah. United. But, I mean, your game has always been great, and I remember Gavin Hunt at the time saying you were one of the key players of that uh, of that generation that he that he had at Supersport. But just on that point, three trophies in the last 18, 18 months for your former coach, Gavin Hunt, but Bidvest yeah. hits rock bottom of the, the, the league. I mean, as, as an opponent, you must look at that and, and, and wonder because you've worked under Gavin Hunt for so many years. How do you feel about yeah. where Vits are at the moment? It's not a, it's not a, I think the, it's sad for, for him, understand. He's been going through tough times at the moment. But I, what I've known of Coach Gavin is he's strong mentally and he can he can come back, understand. He's a, he's a coach who doesn't give up easily. He knows what he wants, and I've worked with him. He's a, a great coach, you understand. And uh, I just wish him to to pick up the points and and get in the top of the log where he should be, you understand. But it won't be easy since the the, the PSL is, is is more tougher this season, you understand. Teams are are reinforcing and are becoming stronger and stronger. But I wish him all the the the, the luck and and hope he can he can succeed avoiding relegation. Yeah, I just wonder if they're going to be able to turn it around after the telecom knockout. That said, uh, you know, your own coach, Bernard Bullock, has been under a little bit of pressure this season, especially after that run. Yeah. I think it was four losses in a row between Celtic yeah. and uh, and Cape Town City games. Um, but but a little more consistency now in recent matches. But you guys set the standards so high for the team last season with that great season, finishing sixth overall. How do you think the season has yeah. gone overall? How do you measure it? We started the season very badly, if I may say. But we have learned from our mistakes, and we we are a team whereby where we we learn from our mistakes and we move on from there. And now I think it's the right time whereby we should collect points and and gel as a team. Understand? I think the moral at the team is so fantastic, and the guy, the boys are responding very well with with him since he's the youngest coach in the PSL and first season at the PSL. So I think he's learning also him. So I think. Uh, He's done a fantastic job with the guys, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's certainly one of the youngest. I think he's the second youngest or third youngest coach after uh, after uh, Fadu Davids and Benny McCarthy in the league. And in fact, yeah, he's the third youngest after those two. So still a relatively young coach overcoming things. But uh, I want to ask you on a final note, uh, Jabalani, if you if you look at the run of games that you've got, the game against Mamelodi Sundowns obviously was, was a start of a very tough run for you because your next three matches are Chiefs, Pirates and Supersport United in a 10-day period. Uh, yeah. What is key for you going into that group of matches? Yes, what's key for us is we have to have uh, self-belief in ourselves, understand, and if we can go to those games mentally fit and willing to, to start for better, understand, and, and to play our normal game, as the coach has been saying to us, if we can play our normal game, everything can, can work out for us, understand, but it, it won't be an easy three games for us compared to the teams that we're playing against, understand, but I'm sure we'll We'll collect points as, as the time comes, yeah. I really hope that uh, for your sake you can find that consistency that you need in 2018. Best of luck, uh, Jabo, but sensational performance again over the weekend. Congrats on your Man of the Match performance and indeed on that brilliant start to 2018. Thank you a lot and I'm very appreciated for, for the call. SAFM Sports Wrap.
Well, that's all we've got time for on the uh, show tonight. Plenty of excitement, though, ahead. Uh, immediately ahead, uh, coming up after the news, we've got uh, the talk shop. And then you guys, we've got uh, two presenters. Yes, doubleheader for you. It's going to be Naleda Mulo and Griselda Dudumashe. It's going to be uh, alongside. This is uh, an exciting new start for uh, 2018 for the talk shop. So do stick around after the uh, uh, the news for the talk shop with uh, Naleda and uh, Griselda. I'll be back again on Thursday. Brad Brown's in tomorrow between 6.30 and 7 o'clock to bring you more sporting action between uh, 6.30 and 7 7 o'clock, but from the team tonight, uh, Luyolo Kalipi, uh, Phineas Ndoba and me, Dwayne DeLocca. Have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.